Well, good morning, church. Uh, this morning, we'll have God's Word open us up to Isaiah chapter 9, and we'll be reading from 1 through 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Please follow along as I read for us. Now, this is the Word of the Lord. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations, you have increased its joys. They rejoice before you and with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Join with me in prayer. Father in heaven, we wish to see Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our eyes, open our ears, and allow our hearts to grasp what you have set aside for your holy people. Give us more of you, Lord, as we reflect upon the year that has passed. And give us more of you, Lord, as we look forward to the year to come. Help us to see through the lens of your faithfulness, your provision, your protection, your counsel, and your guidance. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This text was preached about two years ago by one of our guest preachers, uh, Reverend John Curry. And I thought it would be a, a good time to revisit this text as we reflect once more on the hope of Christ as we celebrate it on Christmas Day, but more so as we look on the year that has passed that was difficult for many of us, that was different at the very least, and also as we look to the future, to the year ahead. I want us to think about this text and, and consider once more who Jesus is who Jesus was, and who Jesus continues to be for those who trust Him. Today's God's Word will remind us the good news that Jesus is all that we need. It's simple. Jesus is all that we need. He's all that we need in our sin and misery. He's all that we need in our present circumstances. And He's all that we need even in the future of the unknown. So we'll jump into it. The two points that we have today is that Jesus is the light and then we'll focus on the names, the light and the names. So getting into it, 
In the current context of Isaiah, God is using Assyria to judge Israel. And we're told that there are generational uh, uh, unfaithfulness passed down to the children's children to children that Israel has turned away from the Lord. And if you look with me at uh, chapter 8, verse 22, this is what it says. Is that, ex- that Israel is experiencing distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrusted into thick darkness. Now that's a, that's a dark and gloomy picture. Me- meaning, as the result of Israel's sin, darkness and gloom will come upon them, and through an Assyrian, and this will happen through an Assyrian invasion, which would ultimately be a sign of God's judgment upon them. But our text today in chapter 9, the prophet Isaiah speaks of the future hope in direct contrast to all this, in direct contrast of the distress and the darkness and the gloom and the anguish. He, he prophesies this. He gives this message of hope as if it's already a present reality. And so as we go into the text, it's, it, we're told that, that there will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. We're told that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, that this light has shone upon them. We're told that that He has multiplied the nations, that He has increased joy. You know, in the distress of darkness, in the gloom of anguish, when we feel thrusted into thick darkness, God gives to His people all that we need. You know, our context, you and I today, our context is not that of uh, war or conquest or even divine national judgment. But we know, we know, we know what it feels like to be in distress. We know what it feels like to be in darkness. We know what it feels like to experience gloom and anguish. And and, and to make it a little bit more tangible, I mean, how, how can we even begin to categorize these experiences? <coughs> Excuse me. We experience it sometimes when we receive an email or a final notice. When we get a call from our loved ones. When we receive a diagnosis. When we look at our finances. When a relationship is broken. When we fall back into addictions and habitual sins. And it can also be experienced in between all those major events of life. For some of us, distress and darkness, gloom and anguish can creep in and overwhelm us while we're brushing our teeth in the morning, standing under the shower head, laying in bed, trying to sleep, while we drive from place to place. And you know, in our own sin and misery, we are a people who are often lost in our distress and darkness, displaced from God and others and feel this gloom and anguish that that we have to do something that that if only we we are able to change our circumstances things will be better instead of trusting that God has done something already you see the great light that has shone for the people to see in the midst of darkness and gloom and anguish when they're thrusted into this distress This light that has shone, we're also told, has increased the joy. And and it's not a result of Israel experiencing more financial stability or good health care or even power and 
prosperity as a nation. No, we're told that this great light, this great hope and joy is found in a child. So loved ones, we're reminded even for us then that our ultimate hope isn't in another stimulus check or a vaccine or better self-care. These things are important. It's a blessing and we hope that the Lord provides in all these things. But, but, but the point is that without Christ at the center of our lives, all these things, when they are depleted and the momentary effects have taken its course, if our lives are not centered on Christ, if we're not trusting in this child, if we're not looking to the light who gives increase of joy, then we will again and continue and inevitably inevitably continue to feel darkness and distress and gloom and anguish. And so, friends, our call this morning isn't simply to hope on the things of this world, although they are good and although they are from God's provision. But perhaps us too, as we're experiencing similar distresses and darknesses and gloom and anguish like Israel, we're called to look to the hope of this child. Why? Second point, the name. If we look at verse 6, we're told that for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This child will be born so that he can rule over his people in the midst of distress and darkness, pull him out of gloom and anguish as he shines this light on his kingdom and the people of his kingdom. His rule, his governance is characterized by his titles. Now Matthew 4, we won't turn there, you don't have to look there, but Matthew 4 tells us that this child is none other than Jesus the Christ who has come on Christmas, who shines this light not only for a day, not only for a moment, not only for the holidays, but for all of us for all eternity. We're told that this Jesus, this child, he is the wonderful counselor. You know, leaders always surround themselves with counselors. It's a way to gain wisdom and insight that goes beyond one's own capabilities. However, Jesus, he doesn't need counselors. He knows everything. He does not need our plans and projections of our own prosperity. When something goes wrong, he assures us. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. So we know the psalmist writes, in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me. You see, Jesus as the wonderful counselor is with you in your good days and in your tough days. He knows your past. He knows your present circumstances. He even knows your future. He is the wisdom of God. He is the great comforter, the great counselor. He's the wonderful counselor. You know, the best counseling is done when the counselor is able to point to this 
a wonderful counselor who knows, who does not need, who draws near, who speaks into, who listens, who cradles, who embraces, who sits down with, who counsels us. We're also told that He is mighty God. He is God Himself. He is mighty to do all things. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to accomplish. He is mighty to act. He is not passive. He is not weak. He doesn't need anything to stir Him up or empower Him or get Him hype or excited. He is never discouraged. He's never hopeless. He doesn't need to slumber. He is mighty to bring to completion the work He began in His people and His church. He is mighty to crush sin and death, Satan and His followers. He is a mighty fortress, a mighty God, a mighty protector. You know, the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Her God, in verse 2 tells us this. It says, Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. It's my favorite part. Are you ready? Doth ask who that may be. Christ Jesus it is He. The Lord of hosts His name. From age to age the same. And He must win the battle. Forgive me those uh, who have a a good uh, tuning and hearing. I know that was off, but the point is this. That Jesus is a mighty God. That we don't have to trust in our own strength or confide confide in our own abilities. Because that would simply be a a striving to lose. But, But if the right man were on our side, someone that God has chosen for himself and his people, who is Jesus Christ, then we know that this child, who we know is Jesus, this Jesus is a mighty God who is able to complete all the Father's will, all that needs to happen for His people. Not only that, it continues. Not only is He the wonderful counselor of the mighty God, we're told that He is an everlasting Father. Jesus, the Son of God, as the ruler of His kingdom, is also called everlasting Father. You see, this kingly role is also seen as a fatherly role. A fatherly role that entails a a providing for, a protecting, a leading, a guiding. In his governance, he is not in the distance making policies and procedures. He is near and intimate like a father, like a perfect father. Some of us have experienced glimpses of that from our own father and unfortunately some of us have experienced not those things. But Jesus as the everlasting Father, as a King, is one who draws near to us. As we remember from Exodus, that, 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 that God, he, he sees us, He hears us, He knows us, and remembers all the promises that He made to us. The most amazing thing is that, that this kingly rule, this fatherly rule, 
is, it, is everlasting. It's eternal. There's no end. There's no expiration. It can't be exhausted. It doesn't go away. It's not moved on. There is no transition of power. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't experience fatigue. He doesn't need a break. He doesn't need a time off. He doesn't need to take a nap. He doesn't get frustrated or overcome. His rule as a father will be everlasting. He's a good, good father. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to me. You're a good, good father. That's who he is. And lastly, we're told that He is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the one who will restore everlasting shalom, peace, wholeness, a stillness, a sense of we don't need anything else. There is no anxiety or creepy feeling of lacking. There is no more gloom. There's no more abyss or darkness or distress. There's no more emptiness or dissonance. There will be no more need for transitions of power or or governance. There's no more division. There's no more war. There's no more fighting. No more having to choose the the lesser of two evils. No more compromising. No more half-securities. No more, I guess that's good enough. No more, this will do for now. No more struggles. This child, Jesus, as he's called Prince of Peace, is the one who will give peace. And this peace can can, can be applied in so many and vast ways. This peace can be applied in our own lives to the brokenness that we experience because sin and misery. This peace can be applicable in our own lives as we wrestle and struggle with our own sins and addictions and habits. This peace can be applied in us as we've experienced sin of brokenness. He's the Prince of Peace. And under His rule and under His care, peace will reign. He's the perfect healer. All my life and all my care is on you. So let me conclude with this. In the midst of invasion and darkness and gloom, Israel was comforted by the news of a coming child. They were told that that he would be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and the Prince of Peace. Well, this child was born on Christmas Day, And indeed was, is, and will continue to be all that God's people need. Jesus came for us, died for us, was raised for us, and He's ascended, and now He intercedes for us. And you know what? He will return for us. And unlike Israel, we no longer wait for this child to be born, but but we wait for the fullness of this child to return as Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Come and bring his governance and his kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, to reign as wonderful counselor, 
as mighty God, as everlasting Father, as the Prince of Peace. And we're told in verse 7 of our verse that the zeal of the Lord will do this. The might, the power, the authority of God will see to this to be completed. This isn't just some hopeful, wishful, uh, positive thinking that we're receiving from the Bible or religious Christianity this morning. This is the promise of God who has created you, who oversees you, who guides you, who cares for you, who loves you, promising to you in His Word that these things will be true, are true, and we'll see the fullness of this completion Because he will make sure it happens. Friends, the gospel message is that Jesus is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. (coughs) Excuse me. And, And this isn't just something... I'm not getting emotional. I'm just trying to keep the cough down, even though... This is encouraging and and deeply healing. This isn't just some knowledge that we store up and just keep in here or or somewhere around here. But this is something we can hold on to and, 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 and take to the Lord in prayer. We can pray to Him. We can go to Him because He's the wonderful counsel. Because He's the mighty God. Because He's the everlasting Father. Because He's the Prince of Peace. Are, are you Are you experiencing distress and darkness? Do you feel like you're in the gloom? of anguish, do you need counsel in your circumstances? Then turn to the wonderful counselor. Do you need protection and provision from the brokenness of this world and sin and misery? Then turn to the mighty God. Do you need provision of daily bread, spiritual, physical, mental? Then turn to the everlasting Father. Do you need peace? Do you need rest? Not simply physical rest at night when you close your eyes and lay your head. Do you need peace in the moments when you're opening emails and opening mail, interacting with your parents, your friends, your loved ones? Do you need peace when you think about your future, your children? Then turn to the Prince of Peace. Let's do so right now in prayer.